0: Well, hello there. How's it going, eh? This is What You've Been Playing Wednesday, and this is a special weekly episode that's a compilation of all the games that we've been playing recently. And on this episode are... Definitely a board game podcast. The Meeple Dungeon. Foster the Meeple. Friday Night Games. And Cardboard Conjecture. And as always, please take the time to have a look at the show notes and the links to the What You've Been Playing Wednesday cast. And as always, sit back and enjoy.
1: Hello, I am A. Aaron Milich. And I'm Royce Calverly. And we are definitely a board game podcast, a podcast definitely about board games, except when they're not. And we're here once again on what you've been playing Wednesday. And I'm going to go first. I I have a question
2: first. No. No. What's your question? I'm just wondering why I never get to say the part about, we are definitely board game podcast, except when we're not. Go ahead. No, I don't want to say it now. (laughs) All right. Next time. You can right, do you heard it. it here. Next time I get to say the opening. Oh, <laughs>
1: fine. All right. Can I talk about my game now? I suppose. All right. So what I've been playing on Wednesday is a game called Play 9. This is actually a bit of an older game. Uh, Cecil Anderson, Kathy, Sal, A Productions came out in 2004. Uh, this is a game I've had in my hands and then put it back on the shelf. I had it in my hands, put it back on the shelf. Uh, the reason is it's a game about golf. And you never know how golf games are going to go. Uh, sometimes they're good sometimes they're bad Uh, but I found a copy of this the same time I found Mariposa's at a Goodwill out in Port Colborne Mariposa's cost me eight dollars play nine cost me five dollars and I thought there it is I'm gonna try it how can I go wrong for five dollars and to be honest kind of like the game pretty simple straightforward like golf trying to get the least amount of strokes possible trying to stay under par You have eight cards face up in front of you and you're allowed to basically exchange them as you go. And basically you can change the cards around and there are patterns you can go for to actually uh, improve your score and there are bonuses and stuff. And um, there's a lot actually quite a bit of challenge in this game. It's a a lot, uh, there's a lot more to it than it looks in the box. I do recommend it. It's definitely a good family game. Uh, I played it with the wife. Two players worked perfectly, and we were both like really into it. We found it challenging and we really enjoyed it. And uh, I think she won, probably. She usually does, but uh, doesn't matter. Play nine. If you get yourself a copy for cheap, check it out. I think it's like 25 bucks normally. So if you see it, give it a
2: try. I like it. It's fun. Sounds neat. I, 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 golf is one of those things I've I played quite a few times. I'm not sure I ever really understood it. I, I love, I don't know. If, did you ever hear what Gerald Ford said about golf? No. So Gerald Ford, former president of the United States, he said, I know I'm getting better at golf because I'm hitting fewer spectators. Wow. <laughs> well, that's, that's actually probably, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> if he's hitting less people,
1: then he's... Staying on the fairway, I guess. Um, yeah.
2: What are you been playing, Royce? <laughs> all even right, I've been playing a game called uh, Yin Yang. Yin Yang.
1: Okay. Not about golf. Uh,
2: no, not at all. It's actually about, uh, well, I guess, uh, traditional Chinese fortune telling. It's uh, set in sort of a, maybe an ancient Japan sort of idea. I don't really know exactly. But the cool thing about this game... Uh, is that it is? it uses an action selection system that I've never seen in anything else anywhere. And what happens is you have six coins, and each coin has two sides, as coins often do. Uh, One side is yin, one side is yang. And you put them in the the turtle shell, you shake them around, you pour them out. Yes, it comes with a turtle shell, a bronze turtle shell to do this. You pour them out, and based on the sides of the turtle, Uh, coins that pop up, you're going to make a couple of decisions. So first of all, you're going to take the six coins and divide it into two sets of three, and that's going to give you a couple of abilities. And then you're going to break it down again into three sets of two, and each set of two will give you an action that you can do. So these coins are used as both dice and action selection, and as a randomizer, and as uh, uh, the driving force of the game. It's a really neat concept. It's something I've never seen in any other game. Uh, I had to order this game out of Taiwan. It's by a company out of Taiwan. uh, I forget, Jing Studio, uh, by Dugu Wei in Jing Studio. It was released in Taiwan in 2019, but is really just starting to get some traction here. Really interesting, really cool game. In fact, we actually talked with Smooks Chen on our last episode, episode 37. He is the manager of the uh, Taiwan board game design and about the design of this game as well as about Taiwan and the Taiwanese board game culture. So it's a really great conversation Mm -hmm. and it's a really neat, interesting game. I highly recommend.
1: Yeah, for sure. He was a great, great guy. Great interview. Definitely check it out.
2: And if you really need a reason to check out episode 37, it's also where we've announced our most recent contest. Oh, yeah. Uh, If you're interested, you want to win some money uh, that you can put towards board games, just saying. Uh, What we're doing is we're, we're... I guess we're at a point where we need to decide whether to continue as we are, whether to refresh our format, whether to, uh, what to keep, what to lose, maybe what to adjust. And so we are doing a survey. You can find the survey link uh, on our website, on our show, on Buzz, uh, sorry, on, um, where do they find us, Aaron? Buzzsprout, yeah. Yeah, Buzzsprout. No, that's not right. <laughs> not where they, what do you mean, where they find our... Buzzsprout, yeah, it is Buzzsprout. I said yeah. Buzzsprout. I know. I was thinking BuzzFeed, and I knew that You're was a BuzzFeed. Anyway, yeah, on our Buzzsprout site, you can find a link there, or you can uh, find anywhere where you can see our show notes. You'll find it in there, so anywhere where you download our episode. We would love for everyone to fill out the survey. Give us an idea of what you like about our show, what you don't like about our show. If you haven't listened to our show, if all you've listened to us is this on uh, What You've Been Playing Wednesday. Tell us why not. What is it about what you've been playing Wednesday that you like or dislike? And tell us why that hasn't brought you over to our show if you haven't. Although I'm assuming all of you do because obviously we're a delight to listen to. Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> and
1: I'll tell you where you can find us, basically on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, anywhere podcasts live, look up Definitely Board Game Podcast and check us, check us out on Budsprout and that's where you'll find the contest and you can always talk to us if you'd like. Definitelyboard at gmail.com, at BoardDefinitely on Twitter, at Definitely Board on Facebook and we have a guild on Board Game Geek, Definitely Board Game Podcast. So check us out, listen to us, find the contest, enter and you could win $50 to put towards board games, and why wouldn't you?
2: Real money cash. You got wow. it. Electronic money somewhere.
1: Yeah. Electronic money. Yeah. We're not going to drive over and hand you cash. That'd be weird. Bust your
2: clothes and want to play a game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Royce is desperate for live board game company. All right. Anything else, Royce? Not a thing. Say goodbye, Royce. <laughs> goodbye, Royce. Bye, everybody. <laughs>
3: Hello everybody, it's Rob and Marie from the Meeple Dungeon. Hello! And we are back again recording for the What's Been Playing Wednesdays podcast, and this week we have been playing one game. What game is that, Marie? The Duke! Yeah! And
4: designed by Jeremy Holcomb and Stephen McLaughlin, and published by Catalyst Game Labs.
3: Yeah, The Duke. This is a, a game we discovered way, way back, like um, oh, a long time ago. One of the first Terminal City games. Uh, tabletop I, conventions.
4: I, I was it the first. It was the first or oh, second. So it was first. back in like maybe yeah.
3: 2013 or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, this game is uh, was an instant hit for us, and we played it over and over and over again. It was uh, it's probably one of our top played two player games, or was for a while anyway. Oh yeah. And the so the duke for people that don't know what the duke is, it's a very chess like game, but it's tile laying. So you don't have pieces out on the board. You just start off with three tiles. And it's on a chess-style board. Uh, I forget what the grid is. is it, I think it might be six by six. But it's, um, you, uh, you start with a duke tile and two footman tiles. And the way the game works is you can either move a tile, uh, whatever you're allowed to move it for, or grab a tile out of your bag and place it on the table.
4: And for uh, those of us who just could not get the hang of chess... Um, yes. This is the game for you.
3: Yeah, this one's very <laughs> self-explanatory because on the top of each tile, it'll say the name of what the tile is. For instance, the Duke, um, and it will tell you what that tile can do. Exactly so, where it exactly can move. where it can and can't go, and it's it's really cool because it'll have like for the Duke, for instance, it will be able to slide all the way left or right on one side, and then so say so you move that tile over a couple squares to the left. Then you flip the tile over, and you reveal a whole new set of moves on the other side.
4: It's so cool. I I love that aspect, how it's not just, okay, the Duke does this, and that's it, and the Wizard does this, and that's it. It's, it's, no, on one side it does this, on the other side it does that. Exactly. Definitely there will be um people out there in personalities who can memorize the fronts and backs and, and it's whatever not us but it is not us which nope. is great because it keeps the game nice and fresh. Yep. And uh and and yeah it, it's awesome. And there are about
3: ooh, a dozen characters. Sound I think? like that
4: there are quite a few. The
3: Ranger, the knight, the wizard, the Duke, the pikeman, the marshal Longbowman. The, the Bowman, yeah, the footman. All of these different tiles, and they're all different characters Duchess, with all different movement patterns and attacking patterns. So some of them can just move, just chest-like, move from one spot to another. If you land on top of a tile, you can kill that tile. Some of them will have a star-shaped thing that says, like, for the long bowman, uh, for those two spots on the on the grid, you can actually shoot your bow. So you don't even move your tile, yeah. and you just can eliminate a tile, an enemy tile, in that square across the board. So, lots of really cool things going on. But yeah, you, you it's really tough to memorize what's on either oh, side yeah. of all these tiles, so you kind of just have to wing it. <laughs> and the more you play, the the more you kind of start to remember what's on the back of some of these tiles, but mm-hmm. and there's a couple expansions in the box that we we haven't played a ton with, but there's like mm-hmm. a dragon and there's a mountain and there's a whole bunch of neat things that you can add to this game. But yeah, it's a really really cool bag pulling chess game. And yeah. it's like I think I prefer it to chess Sometimes It's kind of like 50-50.
4: I certainly prefer it to chess because I still can't <laughs> yeah. figure out chess.
3: Yeah, no. Uh, coming I can't from... think
4: that far ahead. Like that right. for chess, right? Yeah, like chess that many is... turns in advance.
3: Yeah, that's right. Like that's a yeah. that's a a real like thinking five turns ahead style I wonder style if it's because
4: I never learned chess as a kid. Like I feel yeah. if I would have... If my, you know, young mind would have <laughs> would have been yeah. taught chess, I could have picked it up.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I, but, I learned it early on with my dad. I was probably five when I first started playing it, yeah. so I played a lot of chess. But this game is just a really neat twist on chess. Yeah, um, it's and so neat. Highly recommend it. Yeah. It's a super great two-player game. We we bring it whenever we go on... Uh, it's
4: a perfect camping Yeah, look,
3: camping. Because it's
4: just wooden blocks that, yeah, that you know, the tiles, you're not going right. to wreck anything. We should
3: say the tiles are all wood. They're yeah. nicely stained. One One color is like lightly stained on the whiter side, and then one is more darker side, very brown. Um, but you can still read everything nicely. Mm-hmm. It's the, Everything is just gorgeous. The components are awesome.
4: And I guess we should say that the way you win is when you take out the duke.
3: Yeah, chess style, taking yeah. out the or like uh, putting the king in check. Same style here, but you have to kill the duke. And yeah. uh, the duke is zipping around the board, either going all the way up or all the way left or right or back or down. and And then you're constantly deciding whether or not you want to Move something on the board, or add somebody else to your army.
4: And I love it because with all the different uh, the different elements going on, it is hard to keep track of every move you can or can't make. Yeah, and so it makes it hard to win um, and easy to lose. I would say. Oh, very easy. Because you're 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 concentrating so much, and like, okay, I think I finally got it figured out, and you move, and then the other person's you can just see them like, yes, they didn't see that one.
3: (laughs) Dang! It just happened in the last game we played. (laughs) Where I was just doing a simple move of the duke from one end of the board to the other, and I put him down and flipped him over, and then she just... I I put him right in the line of fire for one of her (laughs) footmen. And it's just, yeah, if you're not paying attention, uh, guys can come from out of nowhere in this game, because some of the characters can jump over other characters and slide. Like, there's the assassin that does real cool things. And, oh, yeah, it's just a super cool game. But um, I love this one. Yeah. Highly, highly recommend the Duke, uh, especially if you like two-player games. This one is an amazing one. Yeah, that was a great but, recommendation. Uh, I was happy yeah. we got it. Oh yeah, yeah, great addition, and it'll never leave our our collection no. ever. No, it's a fantastic two-player game. Um, but we're running out of time here, so uh, we'll just plug our uh, <laughs> our new uh, our own podcast, the Meeple Dungeon podcast. We have just dropped our third episode. Come take a listen. Yeah, have a listen whenever you can. It'll be great. We appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we gotta run. You should also plug
4: uh, Ashes oh, Reborn. Oh, Ashes Reborn, that's Ryan. right, with
3: Ryan. We're uh, playing again, uh, if you're listening to this, on Wednesday. It's tonight at 7.30 <laughs> Pacific. It's game six. Ryan could beat me, or I could force a game seven. So, we'll see what happens. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, so that'll be on uh, YouTube and Twitch on the uh, uh the uh, uh, Bridge City Board Gamers yes. YouTube channel or Twitch uh, stream. But yeah, that's it. We got to run. See you next week. Cheers.
4: See ya.
5: Hey, folks ryan here bridge city board gamers and i'm one half of the weekly podcast cardboard conjecture where we offer opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information be sure to check us out on twitter and instagram just follow us at bc board gamers and also check out our youtube and twitch channels just search up bridge city board gamers to find out some live streams and some unboxing videos and all the other sorts so it's been a while since i've been on a what you've been playing wednesday podcast episode and so I have a lot to talk about, but I'm just going to narrow it down for us this week. And I'm going to talk about one game in particular that I've been playing a lot lately, and that is Brew by Pandasaurus Games, released in 2021 here, um, designed by Steve O. Torres, and artists are credited Jake Morrison and Andrew Thompson. Now, what's happening in Brew? Well, I'm just going to give you a little snippet here from the Board Game Geek page, and it says... Bring balance back to the forest. Time is broken and shattered. The seasons all exist at once, and day and night have no real cycle. They rotate at the whim of the forest. This enchanted land has been driven into chaos, and it's up to you, the cunning mystics of the forest, to tame extraordinary woodland creatures and use your magic to bring back balance. In Brew, players must use must choose how to use element dice either to take back control of as many seasons as possible in an area control game or to procure goods at the local village in a worker placement game. Recruiting woodland creatures and brewing potions can help offset chance dice rolls and create an engine to help you tame the lands. So yes, this is a dice worker placement game with a very clever area control game that's also going on at the same time. So what you're going to be doing is you're going to be rolling up your dice and every player has uh, forage dice that are going to be able to place down in the forest to claim some of these creatures and claim some of these um, ingredients and goods that you can eventually brew some potions and also every player also has a couple element dice and those are the ones that really have some really funky effects on the gameplay. Like the water element if you place it in the forest allows you to gather extra resources where the wind element dice allows you to blow back one of your dice, previously placed dice, back into your pool so that you can place it again. And then the fire dice allows you to cover up an opponent's dice in hopes that it brings balance to that, you know, uh, area control game that's, that's taking place. Because at the end of the round, whoever has a majority... On those season forest cards that are that are in play, you get to actually claim the forest, and those are all worth a certain number of points. But you have the ha- you have to have the outright majority. So even if there are element more element dice that don't belong to players, then your dice, you actually don't get to claim the forest. So it's really quite interesting in that. Now the gameplay goes over four rounds because in every game there's going to be a certain number of forest cards per player count and if a forest card doesn't get claimed it actually goes away at the end of the round so there's only going to be enough so that there are four rounds in the game. Now what else you're doing? You're brewing these potions, and these potions are actually really quite neat in what they're doing. They range in a whole bunch of like from two resources to like seven resources in order to brew these things. And they, obviously, the lower um, ingredient cost, those potions are worth less points, and their effect aren't uh, terribly great but uh, but pretty useful, but the higher potions, the ones that cost lots of ingredients, are worth lots of points, they have some really powerful effects, and a lot of these effects are where the uh, player interaction in this game actually take, takes place. Because usually in these dice worker placement games, the player interaction is, hey, I got to a spot before you did. In this case, a lot of these cards allow you to manipulate the already placed dice in the forests or on the uh, town board. And usually it is you can affect any dice, your dice or another player's. So you could be moving players dice around. You could be swapping dice around. You could just actually be eliminating a dice from the round type thing. So you got to be, from what we've told or sorry, what from our experience, is you have to be really paying attention to the potions that other um, players are brewing because the order of operations when you actually start placing your dice down into future rounds actually would matter because if I place something down, I just know that somebody else can go and move it later. I have to be very, very careful of what we are doing. Now, the woodland creatures, this is actually an interesting piece of the game, too, as all the woodland creatures have some sort of game effect on them, either getting points if I place into a certain forest or getting extra resources or something along these lines, and lots of these creatures will combo with one another, which is actually really quite interesting. It's where they have that little bit of an engine-building element to it. Now, every player only can have, well, other than one, one particular character, um, every character can only ever have three creatures at one time. And if you want to recruit another creature, you have to release one of your already um, claimed creatures. You have to release them into a forest. So you actually have to have claimed one of those types of forests that the creature wants to live in. That's the, um, that's the uh, Seasons. And then I can create, it. but I can't release a creature into a forest that they don't want to be in. So you actually have to pay attention to um, to that. So if you're a player and you're controlling lots of forests and you're getting lots of, them, you can have a lot more flexibility in releasing. Now, when you release creatures, they're actually worth more points at the end of the game instead of instead of being worth one point, they're then worth uh, three points type of thing. So my initial thoughts of this game is wow do they pack a lot of punch in such a small almost minimalistic type of game it's just a couple decks of cards like there's the creature decks um, there's the potion deck and then there's the forest deck and a player uh, sorry a central player board that you can place on and then these dice that's really it And that reflects in the price point of this game. This point is only $30-ish Canadian, which I would have gladly have paid like about $50 for this type of game. Okay, maybe I'll take that back. Maybe I wouldn't pay $50 because after actually about five or six plays now of Brew... I can see that the game is starting to feel a little samey for us. I'm going to grab grab some creatures. Now, the combos of the creatures is quite different every game. And the play style that you're going to be doing every game is going to be a little bit different based on the combos of those creatures. But that being said, I'm still trying to control some forests. I'm going to try to release my creatures into the forests. My wife and I or other players were going to be really mean to each other by moving each other's and swapping each other's dice around type thing. Um, so there's that. It, it, I can see this game is being quite samey after a while. The, every game is starting to feel like like the previous games that we've played. We, you know what? And that's not a bad thing because I, we always talk about on cardboard conjecture, we always talk about cognitive load. And this game is, um, you know, it, it. I'm. What am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say that once you've played this game a few times, it becomes natural. You kind of know what you need to do and how to do it, and what are all the different game effects that can happen. And that's not a bad thing. You're definitely going to get some value out of this game. Already playing it like six or seven times now. And at a $30 price point, like I, this game is paid for itself for us and it's going to continue to pay for us. I, we enjoy this game. Uh, I, just that initial discovery is kind of gone now for us. And now we're just kind of going through the motions of playing the game. So that's what I've been playing lately. We've been playing brew by pandasaurus games. Um, give credit to pandasaurus games. They've been releasing a lot of great titles late, lately. So uh, definitely one of the publishers to be, uh, you know, to be paying attention to. So I've been Ryan from the Cardboard Injector Podcast. Make sure you check us out every Saturday where our podcast lands. We're getting very close to episode number 100. Um, if you want to drop us a line and say congratulations on our 100th episode, uh, send us an email, BridgeCityBoardGamers at gmail.com with a maybe a little thank you note or a uh, congratulations note or even an audio file that we can include into the podcast. Yeah, maybe I'll start trying to do this regularly again. This was a lot of fun. I forget, always forget how much fun what you've been playing Wednesdays has been. Okay, folks, until next time, game on. Game <laughs> on.
6: Bye. Hello everyone. My name is Jamie, and I'm Jeff. And we are from a YouTube channel called Foster the Meeple, which is all about board
7: games and board gamey things.
6: Exactly. We're getting better at that. I think so. Yeah. So we are here for another What You've Been Playing Wednesday, and we're very excited to be talking about a little game called Project L. And this is from Board Cubator. It was designed by Michael Mike's. Mitchell Mikes, Jan Sukal Su- and Adam Spinell.
7: We're so good at pronouncing names. We are
6: games. crushing it with the designer names. But basically, this is really like a lightweight game that takes a lot of heavyweight brain power.
7: Yeah, Tetris.
6: It's, yeah, it's basically game, Tetris of. the board game. It's a fast paced, tile matching brain burner with triple layer 3D puzzles, lovely acrylic pieces. It's almost like the pieces from Azul, but scaled down. Yeah,
7: definitely not quite as heavy, but Mm -mm. they're beautiful.
6: And in the game, you're taking different pieces that are showing like designs that you need to fill in with these Tetris style tiles. There's five different levels of tiles, which basically just means the tiles are getting larger. Yeah, they cover up more
7: space in your objective puzzle, I guess.
6: Right. And you're just trying to score the most points by filling up the most puzzles by the end of the game. You're upgrading your pieces. You're trying to optimize your points in order to win.
7: Yeah. So you have a set number of actions each turn. I think it's three or is it four? I can't remember. It's three or four. And you can either place a piece in one of the puzzles you've obtained you can upgrade a piece or take another, have I already said you can take another puzzle. There's also a special action you can take, which is basically putting one piece into all of the puzzles that you have in front of you. The best way to think about it is again, a bunch of Tetris pieces and a bunch of puzzles and you're grabbing each puzzle and putting Tetris pieces into those puzzles. Mm -hmm. And then the end game is triggered when once the more difficult puzzles uh, draw stack has been depleted
6: and then at the end of the game if you want to try and fill the puzzles that are in front of you you can use all of the pieces that you have left to fill those but you get negative one point for each that you use in that final action Mm -hmm. so it can be beneficial if you have a high number puzzle that you can finish but if you have like a number one puzzle and you try and fill it you're not going to be getting any points so there's kind of no point to that It's very
7: fast-paced tactile puzzle game
6: yeah It says right on the box. It's easy to learn, hard to master. I would say that that is definitely true. Takes like maybe five to 10 minutes to learn it. And then at the end of the day, it's just about optimizing those points.
7: Yeah, just trying to figure out what's the best methodology to follow on your turn like is it more important to put puzzle pieces in this turn or is it to grab a new puzzle that sort of thing like you can optimize each one of your turns and it's very difficult to figure out what's the best strategy moving forward Mm
6: -hmm. yeah we've played this a few times now we've played it with two players and three players and player count does not affect at all like the enjoyment level of the game which is great I do think that you could play this with pretty much anyone. We did buy this kind of in the mindset of, oh, maybe we can play this with Jeff's mom when Mm -hmm. she comes to visit. And it's just, it's super fun, regardless of whether or not you're winning or losing. It's just Mm -hmm. one of those games that it's kind of like just enjoyable to play. And it's really nice because like Jeff said, it's very like tactile and these little puzzle pieces feel great. I just love it.
7: The Tetris pieces are phenomenal. Like they feel great. They're they're chunky enough, they're mm-hmm. heavy enough, and each little puzzle has a recessed area, which I think is important that these puzzle pieces or these Tetris pieces go into. Mm-hmm. So they're not like sliding around on these cards. They're It's a recessed thing. It's just incredible production quality out of this game, in my opinion.
6: So many pretty colors. I love it.
7: And it's not an overly expensive game. Nope. I think we picked it up for between $30 and $40. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely well worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, it would be
6: easy to travel with, for sure, as well. It's just like a nice, very sleek-looking, small box.
7: Yeah, definitely.
6: Highly recommend. You give Project L a try, for sure. Indeed. That is everything that we have today, all about Project L. Once again, we are Jeff and Jamie from Foster the Meeple, a YouTube channel all about board games board game things. You can find us on youtube.com slash foster the meeple. We also have Instagram and Twitter at foster the meeple. You can find us there as well. Thank you for listening. We'll be back. We'll be back. <laughs> we'll be back again another day. Later days. Bye.
8: Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm John. And we're
9: Friday Night Games.
8: You can find us on Instagram at Friday Night Games underscore official, Twitter at Friday Night GMS, and on our website at FridayNight.Games. All right, so usually we talk about games we play. John, I want to talk about game night. We had a game night? We did. Nice. And we actually had more than three people, which is weird. We have friends? (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't think so, but they all (laughs) showed up. So that one
9: I wasn't supposed to show up to, and I did anyway.
8: Right, and we had like we had people there I haven't seen in like years because of COVID. It was yeah. a strange moment. But the cool thing is that we got to break out a party game or two.
9: Yeah, it's been a while since we able to do that. Yeah. So so <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, don't know. yeah it's <laughs> been uh,
8: two years. It's been eight years. I mean, I guess, I guess COVID's still going on and probably will continue going on yeah. after this podcast. So it'll be like another four years before we play more party games. There we go. But that night we broke out two party games. Uh, the first one was Telestrations Upside Down. And the second one was, uh, do you remember?
9: What What do you meme? What yeah. do you
8: meme? <laughs> okay. Actually, it was reverse. That one was actually played first. and The yeah, second yeah. was Telestrations. But we're going to talk yeah. about what do you meme? Okay yes. okay, first of all, what were your impressions when we started playing it? How did you feel?
9: Okay so as <laughs> as a 37 year old person who is on the internet, I was I, I understood what some of the memes were, like the pictures but but watching my favorite my favorite moment was when Novi didn't know what the word turnt meant. And he had to look it up on his phone before playing <laughs> the card. It's like, you know, you're old when.
8: Yeah, I mean, even <laughs> me, like, I'm not in the meme game either, yeah. even though I do a lot of our uh, Twitter stuff. But I was just like, I don't know. I'm just going to match. You know, you know, I just try to match things that are funny in my head, but yeah. that isn't funny in everyone's head. Yeah. So, whatever. I don't know. But the minute Mikhail pulled it out, I was just kind of like... <sighs>
9: my face when my friends pulled out cards against humanity yeah
8: <laughs> I, was, I, I wasn't really digging it i'm like i'm like okay matt you need to suck it up i know you have a game shelf of like 40 games now sitting there waiting to be played yeah. just suck it up you know you, you love michaela you just you just want to have fun so okay we're gonna play what do you mean
9: yeah you know what at the end of the day we were laughing. I had fun. It, and it, it did its job. And I think
8: lower expectations really helped that out. <laughs> <laughs>
9: zero expectations
8: well i have lower expectations whatever sort brings out cards against humanity too yeah. so whatever sort brings out cards against humanity or a game similar i would consider what do you mean similar yeah, yeah i mean sure it's not exactly the same but it's here's a, a thing and you have cards in your hand and you match a card and the person has to pick the funniest one to yeah you're
9: you're in the game you're basically taking a popular meme a picture and putting like the meme quotation to it and it's whatever's the funniest one wins yeah. Yeah.
8: What was the funniest meme we made? Do you remember? Oh, uh...
9: No. Because they weren't funny. <laughs> 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 there There's ones that I thought were hilarious that no one was picking of mine, and it got really upset. And I wanted to cry, but... Well, it's because we can't read your mind. Yeah. I think with these games, you kind of have to play to the person rather than to the, the meme, I guess.
8: Yeah, whenever we play Cards Against and, cards and Humanity with my wife... Um you have to pick the most tame cards for her. So I always laugh when someone gives her a pile and there's like some really dirty stuff and she's just like she, she like like scoffs like, I'm not picking that. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you. Noted. Noted. Yeah. <laughs> you got to play to her. You got to pick yeah. like the most like obvious thing and she'll think the obvious thing is funny for some weird reason, I don't know.
9: But yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything that was uh, I think I think the uh there's one with like the seal, like the chubby seal face. Mm. And something was like uh, you know when you when you I think it was like when you invite all your friends to your birthday but only your mom shows up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was a good. One. That was
8: actually a good. One. <laughs> yeah. Well anyways, uh, I actually would recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> for like yeah. a light game that you don't really care about. You know I what? liked it better than Cards Against Humanity, I'll right. put it that way.
9: Yeah. So if you like if you are on the bandwagon of Cards Against Humanity is the worst game, um, but you still want to play it, don't play this one instead.
8: Yeah, this is the second worst game you're gonna play. <laughs> but uh it's not it's not a terrible game. I don't know, I don't think there's anything terrible in it.
9: No, I, I had I had a good time. I thought it was fun.
8: I actually thought it'd be funnier if we got to create the meme. Like, yeah. everyone had a piece of paper, and I was like...
9: You, there's an expansion that you can do that, create your own.
8: I feel like that should have been the game to begin with. Oh. Well, missed opportunity, or maybe hit opportunity, because they did it. I don't yeah. know. Who knows?
9: Well, I ain't playing you this game did, again. You should have done it. If this game gets pouring out again, you slap me. Okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, What Do You Meme is a good, fun little party game if you're into that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, that You don't want to play Cards Against Humanity anymore.
8: No one saw me shaking my head no, but that's okay. Yes. All right, well, thanks for uh, joining <laughs> us. And don't forget to check us out on Instagram at fridaygames_official, underscore official, Twitter at FridayGMS, at our website at FridayNight.Games. Oh,
9: and we're on the TikTok now, so at FridayNightGames, because I'm going to be posting cool stuff there.
8: I don't know what TikTok is. What is the internet? See everyone.
0: (laughs) Hey, everybody. Norm here from the Cardboard Conjecture Podcast and Bridge City Board Gamers community here in Saskatoon. And uh, let's talk about what I've been playing. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about two games. I had I had the opportunity to play two games. Yay! Um, the first one is uh, the Manhattan Project: Energy Empire, designed by Tom Jolly, Luke Laurie, and this one is published by Minion Games. And it's a let's get to the point. It's a worker placement game because I, I, I do believe that Luke Laurie is uh, that's his groove with his games lately, is the worker placement mechanism. And uh, yeah, what you're doing is you're trying to, with that mechanism, you're trying to go to different places on the board. One is uh, government buildings. One is science build. Like there's three building sections that you're trying to go to to put your workers. And I believe in each of those three zones, there's uh, four, five, and four places where you can put your worker. And uh, uh, of course, I was playing solo, so we can talk about that later quickly, but uh, it's a pretty cool game. Um, the, uh, the cards come out, there's a lot of different buildings uh, that give you, and of course, it's your worker placement idea. You put a worker down and you either get resources or you get the ability to upgrade things or to uh, to convert things or to build things, okay? Um, and you can plug in any kind of theme you want. There, uh, uh, there are uh, end of game scoring bonuses that you're working towards. There's a lot of points that you're, its uh, a lot of points that you're working towards. Um, and uh, yeah, bottom line, it's a—it's a fun game. Now, here's here's the footnote. Here's that little kind of let's little, put a little point in there. Um, I played solo. Now, this game was put out in twenty. Where are we here? 2016 2016 yes um, now understand that in 2016 not much focus was put on the solo play and it shows so I've already had some thoughts on how you could how you could give it a little bit more dynamic uh, solo experience but I you know maybe I'll jot those down uh, but the next one uh, I'm I was just fired up for this one uh, the next one is pavlov's house uh designed by david thompson and published by dan Versen games dvg games i hope i said that properly um uh, david thompson uh noted for undaunted uh series uh, normandy and north africa I, th- yeah, I think it's north africa uh, uh i have i have uh, uh normandy and it's spectacular such a great game. And uh, which is what prompted me to go in and search out this game, which is apparently, in what I discovered, hard to find. So, um, I board game oracle. I'm telling you, check that site out. Yeah, and there's no sponsorship there, just good hunting. Um, so Pavlov's house is based in World War II, uh, more specifically. Uh, the Battle of Stalingrad, and uh, me being a history teacher, uh, digging the theme, um, uh, the and not necessarily the theme, not to you know to popularize uh, military and conflict games, but the fact that the research was put in to find a specific moment integral to uh, um, this history. And uh, what it is is that, uh, and of, of course, no, we're not talking about ring that bell and, and, and you know, we'll salivate while we play Pavlov. Um, this is, uh, Pavlov was a soldier that uh, was uh, one part of the team that forced out the German uh, forces out of a certain house, strategically positioned house in Stalingrad. And what ensued after that was, the ability to for them to maintain this position and bring in supplies and support, and what uh, uh, historically has this has been turned into was one of those uh, uh, moments of uh, not necessarily propaganda for for the Russians, but inspiration, stories of of motivation and hope that 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 this uh, event garnered, and uh, so. How this game works is if uh, if uh, I, and I don't know if David Thompson is starting to have a, like a card groove or if this was synonymous in the same in the same process of designing uh, his other two games, but it's card driven. Um, there's three parts to the board. One part is uh, the first part on the right hand side, which is kind of kind of uh, weird to go right to left, um, uh, different, but it's cool. Uh, is the uh kind of like large scope map of the of the conflict the river and on the other side of the river as the soviet support is trying to assist stalingrad and uh what you do is at that point you uh draw your hand uh of cards that has uh different actions that you can do to support uh and 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 start that process of of uh you know, uh, developing artillery, developing communications, putting uh, uh, um, support tokens of relief, of uh, aid, um, ammunition, and the center map is where, where you, s- where the pressure. This is the pressure cooker. Is the center part of the map because that's kind of like the the city view. And you see in the center of the board is Pavlov's house, um, and you see six different tracks of of uh german forces that start slowly with this large deck and basically you're trying to survive this deck of cards and uh it slowly pushes in from six different tracks representing uh artillery um uh foot soldiers uh tanks right the pressure boy when i say pressure cooker there's it's stressful and then the left side of the board is the house itself where you have this interior view of how your soldiers uh, maneuver inside to to um, combat the pressures on the outside, uh, without getting too deep. This is turning into a review, <laughs> but um, yeah, this is how fired up I am about this game. I haven't even gotten. This is just the base game I played. I haven't even gotten into the variants and uh, the ability to to uh, put some dynamic uh, flair. Still historically relevant and accurate to to the. To the to the idea or, or um, spirit of the game so yeah uh, I if you have the opportunity to uh, try this game out I, I certainly recommend it if this is something that you know speaks to you um, and uh, yeah let's move on to the Facebook page uh, we uh, as as mentioned before we have a bridge city board gamers community and a page on facebook where ryan has posted what you've been playing wednesdays and it's such a treat to uh, see what people have been playing in the community so let's start off with hands he's played wingspan uh trismegistus oh i really hope i did that one right uh juicy fruits uh capstone game yeah uh uh, nanga parbat i have i've i think No, i don't even know if i've heard that harvest dice uh the only ones that ring like wingspan great game such a fine engine builder juicy fruits ryan has that one and he says it's a fine game so yay awesome eli played some terraforming mars yeah another speaking of engine builders that's a really i've heard you know i've heard something about that game uh moving on to lane Uh, Lane, uh, so Mythiclix and Black Orchestra. Yeah, Black Orchestra. That is one of my favorite co-op games. Um, Moving to Vincent. Axis and Allies 1941. Pulling out the classics. Well done. Well done. Jeff. Jeff has a list that I'm going to open up here. Bunny Kingdom, Cartographers, Century uh, Golem Edition, I believe. Okay, code names: uh, Forbidden Island, Harvest Dice, Juicy Fruits, My City, Spirit Island, uh, the Isle of Cats, the Quacks of Quidlinburg, Trismegistus. <laughs> Yay! I think I hit it twice. Um, that's a deep list. Well done. Well done indeed. Tim, played some Warhammer Underworlds. Oh, I gotta do my re- I gotta do my my research for the Warhammer stuff because. This the board. It looks interesting. Everything looks dialed in. Yes, yes, yes. And Kingdom Builder. Well, yeah, that's sort of (laughs) my when I explain it. It's kind of like Go with houses. So uh, Janelle played Brew. Uh, Ryan showed me that game. It's got a. It's got a uh, take that. So understand that there's going to be a little bit of a. uh, uh, punching in the ribs when you play that game. Steve played Wingspan. Yeah, we mentioned. And let's, Beth Sobel's art on that game is spectacular as well. So, yeah, that's a good reason to play that game. Jason played Seven Wonders Cribbage. Yeah, going old school. Uh, Azul, Quacks of Quiddlinburg with the Alchemist's expansion. Um... Quacks, that's that push-your-luck bag builder. Yeah, I played it a couple times. It was kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Travis played Dice, uh, Wizard, Codenames, Twilight Struggle, Lords of Waterdeep, and Stone Age. What a breadth of games. Nice. Nice, Twilight Struggle. Yeah. Yeah, Look at me gravitate to the history stuff. Uh, Right on. Uh, Marianne played... Uh, I think that's quarks, the domino shape. Uh, there's, she, there's just a picture here. So um, <laughs> she, and, and her, in her tag, oh, the Quirkle, that's it. I was trying to read down there. It's like, oh, no, I'm failing the, te- the visual test question. No, she's played Quirkle. Um, that's a domino combination sequencing. Very cool, very cool. Garth. Uh, played more Dune Imperium. <laughs> of course. The game's awesome. Uh, Kay, uh, uh, Kaylee, I think, just picked up Sagrada and about to check it out. And you know what? You're going to have fun checking that game out. It's such a good game. They're all good games. These are fantastic titles. Um, yeah. So we're at that point where um, I'm I'm going to say thank you so much for hanging out and listening to what we have to say about the games that we've been playing. And uh, as always, this cannot happen without the fantastic content creators that uh, um, collaborate and contribute every week to put this show together. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And that being said, keep your stick on the ice and take care out there, eh?